At the beginning of time, aliens came to the Earth to create the ultimate organic weapon. They created mankind. By planting a special gene into man, they created the Zoonoids, humans who can change at will into super monster soldiers. Eons later, the Zoonoid leader, called the Zoolord, has awakened and formed the Kronos Corporation to further develop the Zoonoid technology for world domination. Among the alien remains was found the unit, a bio-boosted alien armor. Worn by the aliens, it serves as an ordinary shield. If the wearer is human, it increases his natural powers a hundredfold. He becomes the Giver. But how to activate it remains a mystery. Dr. Tetsu Sagawa, a research scientist at Kronos, senses danger if this unit is activated by the Zoa Lord. Now the doctor has stolen it and is on the run. And we're here to find that doctor. I'm Zoa Lord MacGyver, principal stakeholder in the Kronos Corporation. I'm Ben Sheets, and I don't know how many times I have to tell you guys I'm not a racist gremlin. <laughs> don't believe the rumors. That remains to be seen. I'm Cleveland Mosier, Luke Skywalker, CIA agent. <laughs> Welcome back to the pod, people, the scariest podcast in the whole wide world. And today we're going back to 1991 to a darker version of your Saturday morning cartoon routine. And we're going to be talking about the Giver. But first, before we do, we have some business to take care of. Indeed, uh, we predicted a little movie last week that we covered called Gretel and Hansel. We have results. And so first, for Rotten Tomatoes score, Tease, you predicted it would get a 77. Cleve, you predicted 88. And I predicted 66. I just checked it right before recording, and it actually went up to 61. Oh, shit. Uh, It was at 56. Um, so it went from rotten to fresh since the last time I checked. Well, Just you, barely. You would have won that anyway, but it puts you even closer. Yes. Uh, I'm kind of so not surprised. It's a kind of divisive movie for sure. I'm glad it went up, though, at least you know, to that, that amount. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's second, a fine place for it to sit. Yeah, for the box office opening weekend results, Tease, you predicted $10 million. Cleave, you predicted $25 million. Uh-oh. And I predicted five million. I got a new prediction. Um, it's not that. <laughs> it ended up uh, getting six point one million this week. Damn, you were really close on both of those. Yeah, I know. I was so close. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm finally coming back a little bit here. Um, so uh, TC, you have two points so far. Cleve, you have three, and I have three now as well. Oh, you rat bastard! Um, in terms You're of coming to take my uh, my seat. Yes, uh, take my coming throne. Coming for the king. Coming mm. for the throne. You won't. Um, well, in terms of how close we were to our predicted scores, Cleveland, you got the closest. You predicted you would give that movie a five, and I believe you gave it a four and a half. Yeah. Or maybe a five? I gave no, it a four and a half. I gave it a four and a half. I definitely did give it a five. Yeah, in hindsight, I don't know. I I was I was, <laughs> I was talking only to friends. One week ago. Like I was talking to friends uh, the other day, and they asked me what movie I'd reviewed for the podcast, and I literally couldn't remember. 
I had forgotten. Like, and I was like, what movie was? It was like really late at night, but like even then, I was just like, yeah, what, what movie did I see? Oh yeah, I saw a movie. I gave a four and a half of four. Um, uh, I, Some of that sticking power yeah. has diminished a little bit. Well, what I'll say, like, I still haven't seen it again, and I did, I, I did leave the movie like really wanting to already see it again because we had such a bad viewing experience, yeah. like at the theater, like it was like literally like having to listen to the movie over the audience. You know, we we talked about it already on the podcast, but I don't know. I was I was maybe being a little too over generous with with the movie, like like a four. I not like still liked it, but. Anyway. <laughs> right. uh, what what did you and I have been in terms uh, of? Let's see. I think you predicted a four and a half tease, and I, was, I predicted a three. So I was one point off. You were I was like a point and a, a half. Point and off. a half, and Cleveland was half a point. If I'd rated it a four, would, would you get the point? We would have tied. We would have tied. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. We can tie if you want. I'm it doesn't okay matter. And the, now, the, to be fair, I, I just I do want to be clear. I have I have no memory of any of my well, predicted ratings. There's a reason. So like, I definitely didn't give this movie a four point five because I predicted I'd give it a five because I have no memory of any of that stuff. I've forgotten we even did I, that game. I blacked out all of the scores because I don't want to see them. Yeah. I don't want any of us to see them. Yeah. I want us to forget about. Oh yeah, them. no. I, and and they, they have been forgotten. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I keep forgetting. Yeah, I we forgot. Even did. That. I've predicted for most of the films yeah, on our list, same. so uh, it's it's a fun little bonus point system. Yes, yeah. it's um, a nice tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, today we're going to be discussing maybe the polar opposite of Gretel and Hansel. This week was Cleveland's pick. Yes, it was. As we mentioned at the beginning, and as you heard from the glorious introduction, uh, we're going to be talking about a film from 1991 called The Giver. Direct to video. Direct to video. Was it? Oh, lovely. I didn't even know that. Directed by two people, one uh, with the unassuming name of Steve Wang. How about the other? And the other one is somebody called Screaming Mad George. And this is his magnum opus. This is the only film he ever directed. The film stars um, Mark Hamill, kind of, uh, and uh, we can put quotes around starring. Michael Berryman uh, is also in it, and uh, oh, what's the dude from? Uh, the dude from Good Time is in it. Oh uh, yeah, well, uh, no, the show, the show, the, the yeah. <laughs> not the film. No, was, no, good, good times. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jimmy Walker is yeah. is in it, and uh, we'll get to that. Yes, we will. Um, oh, and also, uh, what's his face? Uh, David Gale, who is uh, from Reanimator. Well, that yeah, was, and there's nice. a lot of bit parts from a lot of great horror legend character actors like Linnea Quigley and Sean yes. uh, and, <laughs> and uh, Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, Jeffrey Combs, nice little cameo. Uh, this movie is produced by Brian Usna, we yes. should mention that, who uh, produced a shitload of um, H.P. Lovecraft adaptations produced in the 80s He directed the Fantastic Society that I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. He produced From Beyond. Uh, he also wrote uh, Bride of Reanimator and Beyond Reanimator, and I think he directed yep. Beyond Reanimator as well. Uh, so Brian Usna has a rich legacy in uh, kind of like fun, fun uh, trash, fun B movies with you know great effects. Yeah, apparently also directed Silent Night, Deadly Night four and five. Oh yeah, so, uh, I we'll about that. we'll have to cover those at some point. So I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see his name in the opening credits, but this movie's like nasty Power Rangers. 
Yeah. Cleveland, why don't you tell us a little bit about The Giver, since it was your pick? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, so um, The Giver is a very, very interesting movie. I first came across it tangentially when I was uh, a freshman in high school just browsing, like, YouTube trailers, and I came across, like, some cool, like, spooky movie trailers that I still haven't seen, one of which was The Giver, the other was, like, Dark City, and a few others, and I was just, like, looking up, like, weird old spooky movies or whatever, and... And the trailer for this movie, like, stuck in my head for years because the costume specifically. I might have been, like, looking up weird Metroid cool, like, power suits and stuff and other, like, Sentai-related content. Not hentai, Sentai. That's yeah, why don't, big, why don't you define Sentai for us? Uh, power suit, like, action films largely coined by Ultraman. But, yeah, it's all about, like, guy in power, power Rangers. suit. Yeah, exactly. Um, is where you would quintessentially, like, they are the, the, the quintessential Sentai. But, yeah, martial arts, cool suit, usual fare. And uh, this film, we, we realize kind of after the fact or while we were watching it, uh, is based on a manga and an anime. Mm-hmm. Neither of which any of us have been exposed to. Yeah. I've looked up a lot of art from the manga. I haven't read it, but there are some fun designs. Uh, there are some very fun, like like power suit, like like very alien kind of spooky cyber suit designs. Man, do you know that meme where it's like the manga, the anime, and then the movie adaptation? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like this movie is the quintessential yeah. version of right. That. It's like you don't even have to do anything. Oh yeah. Uh, from from what I was looking at, like the anime and the manga uh, look pretty cool if you're into that kind of thing. But this movie is bizarre. Yeah, man. It's so tonally all over the place. Like, it really you gotta, is. You gotta start with how fucking wacky the tone is. We've got R-rated gore sequences, um, and then, like, kooky, like, piano bits with, like, quippy one-liners, like, in the same scene. At like, times, it almost felt like the tone of, like, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. Like, it, that live-action one. It's like, the movie's, like, afraid to take itself seriously at any point. Anytime it, it tries to for a moment, it undermines itself with, well, like, some, like, kooky, yeah, not under- funny, generally, like, wacky bit. Or it just undermines itself with the same transition cut. You know, yeah, like a lightning bolt cut across the screen oh, with yeah. a with a little music sting, like <laughs> yeah. almost like, every cut between yeah. scenes. It's weird because it is literally between every scene in the first half of the movie, and then about halfway in the movie, they abandon it entirely. Well, I'm glad because I, I <laughs> you know, in in one respect, I was getting tired of it. No, I, I, I never same, once, never once, I laughed either, every actually. time. At the same time, I only. I almost thought, you know, it would have been funnier if they kept it throughout. But, like, I... It, it, it the, didn't work totally. The, the tonal disparity, I think, is something that's very much worth talking about because I would say that this is maybe the most childish movie we've ever watched and talked about on the podcast. Yes. And like, we did an episode on The Dark Crystal, so yeah. like, that's saying something. No, The Dark Crystal is way more mature than this film the, is. The, the totally bizarre thing about this movie is, like you said, it's it's got like some body horror stuff like it's it's very like the suit is you know sort of a biological organism the monster like the enemies even like it's cool the enemies are like weird human animal 
monster hybrids. Let's be real. Like, like the suit is like if David Cronenberg designed a superhero. Yeah. Like, it's awesome. Like, it's like all beetle-like and it has like insect eyes and like it's it's got like weird like biotic components, a very like phallic like head fin, mechanical like mouth things that steam. Like, the idea like is so cool. I love it. I, and, like, I cannot when, get when enough the suit, of the suit design. When the suit like goes off, it like retracts into like these holes in the back of his neck that yeah, are like it's gooey and gross. They're like scabby yeah, and like yeah. yeah. It's like it's like all wet and like rubbery. Like it's a it's a f- really like textured suit and it has like cool like ribbing in the, like the the interlocking sections like the it's first, awesome. The first scene of the movie is like one monster crushing another monster's head like between his hands mm-hmm. like viscerally i mean the movie is rated pg-13 so it's not like it's not like gratuitous but all of this shit that we're talking about but then the approach of the actual storytelling is just power, power rangers. rangers it is like the most dumbed down childish storytelling and approach to it and it's it's uh, like baby brain it is yeah it's it made me feel like I was up at like 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning to watch Power Rangers again. Yeah. And then there's some weird body horror stuff and I'm like, what? Wait, what? Yeah, like why is there Cronenberg in my Power Rangers? Like, There's something that I love about that, but at the same time it's... Very off-putting. It's Yeah, it's unsettling. <laughs> yeah. And and again, like, I don't think it's necessarily like unsettling in a bad way. Like, I'm I'm probably gonna give it points for that. It's weirdly but, like, charming. Yeah. yeah it's, it. well, what did you what did you say during the film tease? Like this is like an incredibly like adorable. Like it was. What was the word? Oh you yeah, used? I know. I said this, this movie is adorable. Yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> it, there's in also in many ways like, it's like it, bless its heart. It has like. it has lower production value than Power Rangers did in many ways. Oh yeah, the, the fight choreography is practically non-existent. Like most of it is just uh, people in rubber suits kind of generally flailing at the each other. The combat is better in Power Rangers. It, 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 is, it, it legitimately is. is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and and the Guyver suit has these elbow blades that he that are like his main <laughs> weapon, but when he's fighting, they're, they're flopping around because they're obviously rubber, and they didn't put any kind of bracing in, inside. It's got like this, this like Saturday morning cartoon action music over the whole thing and like Mickey Mousing all over the place. Yeah, there's like tinkly piano bits. Yeah, and like stuff. when people like, are sneaking dun, and, dun, 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 dun. and it's and it's like an hour into the movie, like we're just watching yet another rubber monster quote unquote fight scene. I'm just like, this movie's fucking adorable. And you get like those like, like half second pauses and dialogue too, or just like we'll, we'll get into the dialogue in a minute. But like this movie has such an over reliance on the getting punched so hard you get thrown bit for the sake of avoiding like any legit martial arts every time someone gets hit there's just a cut to them getting thrown into the shot the combat is a bunch of guys in rubber suits leaping into shots it's not good um but there's such a charm to it it. is very charming and you know i'd much rather take something like that than just bad fight choreography shown for a really long time it's this movie is adorable in the way that like your four-year-old nephew bringing you a picture that he drew of you in school to hang on your refrigerator is adorable like it it looks fucking terrible it's a piece (laughs) of shit yes but he's so earnest and excited about it and like genuinely wants to like make you proud and proud of it (laughs) that like you can't you can't 
can't be upset. I think, really I think earnest is a great way to describe it because <laughs> yeah. there's a true earnest lack of self-awareness that I really respect yeah. in a lot of ways. Like you, you can tell that like pretty much everyone affiliated with the production didn't give a shit but had fun. You know, it's like, ah, oh, fuck it. You know, we'll just, you know, throw oh, in the yeah. shot. Like. Well, that, that's the thing is like there are there are like a handful of pretty well-known character actors in this movie. Certainly most notable would be Mark Hamill. And he is phoning it in completely. Yeah. He could not give two shits about this movie. The funniest thing is, like, even with Mark Hamill phoning it in, compared to the actors surrounding him, he's still putting on the best performance. Uh, Yeah. That's the thing, because he's absolutely phoning it in. Like, he would give less of a shit. But, like, compared to the other actors, like, he just, he feels like a tired person in the scene who doesn't care, whereas the other actors are, like, plastic next to him and, the, and the like main, artificial people. The main actors, yes. I would say that the the legitimate best performances in the film are veterans of other like B movies, like people like David Gale and Jeffrey Combs, who had made his entire career being in movies like this. Oh yeah, no no, no. they're, they're, like, they're, they're the best actors in the movie. They give the best performance because they have the most experience with this kind of stuff. Like Mark Hamill, he must have just really needed a paycheck for this one. Yes. No, no, he, he absolutely doesn't care. Just next day, they're two protagonists, like in those scenes, you know, you see him with. Whoa. But no, the, the Jeffrey Combs, like, whoa, what a hammed up performance. Yeah, well, one of the things I, I think I realized really early on is this movie doesn't really care about too much outside of the effects. Yeah. I was looking into it after we watched it and screaming Mad George was like a a practical effects guy mm-hmm. before he directed, that makes which sense. makes a lot of sense. I think he was one of the and, suits uh, as well, and he did some and, of the puppetry uh, in the movie. Brian Usna, you know, he's definitely known for the attention to details with the practical effects and the body horror stuff. And I think a lot of that translates to some of the best parts of the movie. Absolutely. Um, I think the effects really shine where all of the other parts of the movie really, you know, flail around. <laughs> Um, the story is incomprehensible. Well, and it doesn't make any and it's, sense. It's such a bizarre, charming, like you said, mismatch between like a really, you know, focused attention to detail with a lot of the effects for the most part. Mm-hmm. And uh, the elbow blades. Yeah, yeah, the elbow blades are a good uh, counterexample. Could have put in a little bit more um, there. You know, lack of regard for the story for the most part. You know what it reminded me of though. It, it felt like a movie that would be shown late at night on Adult Swim. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Oh, yeah, I can dig it. I can definitely dig it. Because it has that same weird mismatched feel to it where it doesn't feel like these things should go together. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, here's the deal. Like, when this movie is on, um, uh, it's on as hell. Like, I was caught off guard several times by, like, how cool, like, some of those practicals were. And when it's off, it is goddamn hilarious. Like, yeah, it's, holy it's shit. so, like, charmingly, like, troll too bad that I was having a wonderful time making fun of and laughing yeah. at this movie. I literally, watching. Like, literally we were laughing the entire the time. Stuff, yeah. yeah, is comically 
bad. Oh, yeah. Like, so... Well, I mean, let's just talk about Mark Hamill's character in general. Yes. First of all... Dad pants Mark Hamill. The cover leads us to believe that Mark Hamill is the main character The cover, like, if you Google it, is a split image of the Guyver's helmet and Mark Hamill's face. So you would rightfully assume that he is <laughs> Mark the Hamill's Guyver. the fucking Guyver. Yeah. He's not. Right. But here's the weird thing. He has as much screen time as the protagonist. There was literally no reason Mark Hamill couldn't have done it, couldn't have been the Giver in this movie. It's such a... What the fuck? What was up with that? Like, why? Why wasn't he the Giver? I have no idea. The guy who does play the actual Giver, what's his name? Uh, Jack Armstrong. He is so fucking flat. He could not act his way out of a wet paper bag. Mark Hamill's already phoning it in, so why don't you just make him the Giver? Because his character otherwise serves no real purpose. Their characters could do the same thing. Completely. Like, yeah, they, they really could have been the, the, the same person. Yeah, like, we Mark could have Hamill's- had our, our CIA agent also, like, be practicing karate. We could have We could have done all of it. Right, he's a CIA agent, but he looks like your stepdad. Like, <laughs> he's got his pants up to his nipples. He's got, he's got such this, a stepdad look going on. He's got, this, on. Weird, like, oh my he's God, got yeah. this weird little mustache. He's not, he's just wearing like a t-shirt and like slacks. <laughs> one of my favorite shots of the movie is uh, one of the first shots we get of him. He's just sitting in like a back alley on like a tall concrete ledge <laughs> just with his leg all the way up smoking a cigarette. <laughs> And it's just like it's such a stereotypical what, yeah. shot. Like it's, it's one of the most stereotypical shots like I've seen in a minute. It's almost self-aware. Like it's so because it's got like the gritty, grizzly like trash and like there's the 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 wire fence the and graffiti. Yeah, it's like so yeah, very, like quintessentially uh, late eighties. Like it, it's amazing. Very Ninja Turtles. Extremely Ninja Turtles. Uh, which is not the only Ninja Turtle comparison. We've got uh, fucking Bebop and Rocksteady in this movie. Yes, we too. do. And also, our, our damsel in distress. Yeah, Vivian Wu. That's her name. Uh, okay. The actress's name. Um, she was also in the Ninja Turtles live action movie. Oh, was she? I didn't yes. even recognize. I haven't seen that um, in forever. Yeah, she, uh, she's she been in a lot of films. She's a Chinese actress. Has been in a host of movies. Uh, I was looking at her IMDb, IMDb page. I was very surprised. Well, she uh, is terrible in this. Yeah. Um, she is awful. I'm gonna not be a racist gremlin. <laughs> it, it seemed like almost all of her lines were dubbed over. Yes, like, yes. It, uh, by, it seemed like by a white actress. Doing an Asian accent. Yeah. I might be wrong, but that is what a lot of her, that sounded like. It, it, it felt stereotypically like that, regardless of whether it was her or not. There was like a lot of put-ons. Um, yeah, I, that's a, a maybe a good segue into some of the the other m- the, the other more problematic aspects of this movie. I think we could say the most problematic aspect of this movie yeah. uh, by yeah, far yeah. is so our bebop and rocksteady uh, are you know just two dumb henchmen. One of them's like a big fat Russian guy, Which and the is, other. Uh, Peter Spellos, uh, he's been a like a voice actor in pretty much every like like quintessential anime ever. Well, he's uh, he's dub guys. Yes, <laughs> he he's sort of uh, incidental. The other one that we need to focus on is uh, fucking Jimmy Walker from Good Times, uh, Dynamite Jimmy Walker. 
who plays uh, Striker. Is that the character's name? Yeah. He's like a like a jive talking like street guy, and when he transforms into his monster version, it's pretty fucking racist. Yeah. He. Yeah. Uh, so before before he even becomes, uh, he transforms into his his monster form. He's doing this like Dolomite. Like he's a caricature. Like, yeah. You know, like. I'm so cool. I'm gonna fuck up well, all the fools. He's like, playing, he's playing his character from Good Times. Basically. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's just like, oh yeah, it's it's a it's a trip. What's even worse is he is very much the the comic relief yes. of that group, and when he transforms, there's a reason I mentioned racist gremlin. He looks. Like a racist gremlin, like a like a minstrel character. Yes, it's very minstrelly, big lips, bug eyes. Yeah, uh, he got, he has chains on even though he transforms. Right when he transforms, his clothes disappear, but his chains stay. Uh, yeah, like it's... if you're if you're looking for like a a racist gremlin, like picture in your head like one of the gremlins from the gremlin movies, and then picture one that would be like outrageously racist, and that is that's it. That's the design. Fifty percent of his head mass is lips. Like it's ridiculous. It is. Well, it is. And that's re- it is like wild. And, he like, and he's like, in a huge part of this. That's the it thing, is too. I, you like, know, I don't have a problem with yikes. Jimmy Walker being a comic relief character. No, not at all. But if you're going to make him a racist gremlin, it just screams minstrelry yeah, to me. Yeah, like, and that's, oh, it's, yikes. It's a, it's a bad look. It puts Jar Jar Binks in a whole new perspective. Really bad. Wow. Yeah. Um, and like also, said, like, to be clear, too, like when he does the rapping, I think his raps rhyme once. None of his raps rhyme. It's really weird. Like, he says them in, like, a rap meter, but, yeah. but nothing actually He raps rhymes. like he's in the Sugar Hill gang. Yeah, it's like, uh, my name is Stryker, and I'm here to say I'm gonna take that Guyver in a major way. Like, that kind <laughs> no, of... No, that's version. too good. That rhymed. That, that, yeah. that rhymed. My name is Stryker, and I'm here to say I'm gonna take Guyver out of town. <laughs> like, that's what his raps are like. Like, it's like, they don't rhyme. <laughs> and and like, I, like I mentioned, like, even though he's just one of the henchmen, he probably has the most screen time out of oh, all, yeah. out of all of the monsters like it really felt like that was the suit that they were most proud of and <laughs> that that's pretty bad puppetry wise it's well made Oh like, yeah, I it's mean, got like the, the ear flaps it, flapping no, around it, and like all the the design the, is is bad. Is, yeah, the execution like it's terrifying. A, yeah, I would say that most of the monster suits are pretty good. There are a couple of examples, uh, like when they're they're chasing uh, uh, our our hero and uh, Vivian Wu into the the warehouse, and it's like we we have like the three main monsters that we've seen so far, and then we cut outside, and these two guys in suits pull up in a car, and it's like. <laughs> Okay, they are they with the CIA or something? They walk into the uh, into the warehouse and like walk up to the monsters and they're like, "Aha, the team's all here." <laughs> like, who are these guys? And then they turn into very bad-looking cheap. One of them's like a big snakehead monster, but the snakehead is just kind of like flopping yeah. around and it's unarticulate. You can just see the rubber bending. Yeah, no articulation. When it moves. You never get a close-up of their of their suits. Like and they were clearly ashamed of them, which is why like they just kind of like brush off those characters and they both they spend they money both, on them so they, they die don't immediately and they both die yeah that. they both die immediately they made these, those suits for kill shots it's like, like and ah, that was the, it. the team's all here <laughs> these two characters we've never seen before <laughs> and and then they immediately get killed those ones are pretty fucking bad looking mm-hmm. 
That's it's such a funny trope, though, just having characters show up yeah. that haven't been in the rest <laughs> of the movie and acting like they've been there the whole time. Yeah. The other two main monsters, um, fucking uh, Peter Spellos, he's got this cool, like, fish tapir design. Yeah. It's pretty fun. I love his little, like, tapir nose flapping around. And, and they just have, like... And it, it has articulation, scene. like, yeah. a, a couple of times. Like, it actually, like, moves around. Well, I don't think... It, Most of the time it was just waggling, but looks, there was one or two it times, It looks like I think. they're doing it with it on a string, string and somebody yeah. from, that's that's the kind of articulation it has, but, uh, <laughs> uh, and Michael Berryman's uh, monsters, he's like the main henchman. Yeah. Uh, Michael Berryman is like that the weird looking dude from the original Hills Have Eyes, famous uh, horror character actor. Those suits look pretty good. They're, yeah. They're pretty fun. But yeah, the, those those two guys who just show up to die immediately. In many ways, this film is kind of like the anti Power Rangers because it's not like about a team of of uh, heroes fighting like one monster. It's like one hero fighting like a team of monsters. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the the monsters really do like have like a team dynamic. Like Absolutely. they're trying to work together and whatever else against this uh this guyver. And that was that was definitely like uh, a big part of the charm. You still kinda get a little bit of both with that, even though they're they're bumbling and evil. I mean there's there's always a, a very fun uh uh Power Rangers esque uh hero villain dynamic, you know, in that way it does feel very much like the Power Rangers. The monsters are always is like trash talking and stuff like that. Speaking of the trash talking, let's let's get into the dialogue a little bit <laughs> and how it really didn't feel like it was written by a native English speaker. Yeah, it it reached like room esque levels at times where like they were just obviously so insistent on reading the lines the way they were written, even though they didn't have the meter or cadence of of uh, an, an English sentence. No one ever feels like they're responding to each other. They're just like saying words, like yeah. when they're yeah. supposed to say words. There's a back and forth at the end with uh, with Giver and the and Zoa Lord and. Yes. It's it is utter nonsense and it goes on like it's trying to be like good guy versus the bad guy their their dialogue before they begin their fight and it's just each of them saying like quintessential action movie lines at each other with no connection between the two like you're going down it's my time to 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 rule the city not if i can stop you i'm gonna stop you now time for you to die like like there's no (laughs) no connection between it felt other. very anime. Yeah, in a way. poorly translated. Like weird stuff. But again, like the the production crew, like all seem to be like like English speaking, like American. Weird. Very weird. Um, yeah, it's it's strange. I. I would really pass that off as just like terrible direction. <laughs> like you can really tell that screaming mad George was uh, was not a, a director before this movie. One thing I forgot to look up, I want to I want to see now if I can find images of uh, and see if like Stryker was a character in the manga, because I want to know if he's like a racist gremlin in the manga, too. It looks like Stryker uh, is is not too dissimilar. Um, well, no, he doesn't have the big lips. He just he just has like he has like massive teeth. He looks way cooler like that. I think that's Stryker on the on the right there. Like he's got like huge teeth. Oh, the, yeah. He doesn't look like a racist gremlin at all. Sorry, that's okay, probably not like good podcast content because you can't found, see the pictures. I uh, found one but... of the striker freestyle raps. Oh, excellent. Oh, yeah. thank you. Let me go for it here. 
I've been looking high, I've been looking low, for the and jiving thing to show. And now this punk's become a hunk, when all he's had, the soul. Well, let me show you one thing. <laughs> what? I'm gonna boot this thing with the Giver name. <laughs> I'm gonna make you crawl and make you sing, because I want that and jiving thing. Boy. <laughs> It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> oh my god. It's just words. Well, I would you know what? That's a great transition into one of the other very confusing things about this movie is the motivations of generally anybody. But as you heard from the intro at the beginning, the Giver on an alien is just an it says an ordinary shield. But on a human, it gives them extra powers. Why do the aliens want the Giver so bad? I think <laughs> I think that they want the Giver on a person who can wield it. I figured they, they just never, don't want it. They, in the hands they don't of say it. I'm, I'm reaching when I like. I'm, I'm yeah, definitely reaching right because now. He, quote unquote, humans are weapons. Made yeah, by right. the aliens. Made by the aliens. The humans and, are are the ultimate biological. Yeah, weapon. and if you if you put the Giver on a human, you're essentially making a super nuke. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, which we did we did see, but like the aliens, the Zoonoids really want the Giver back, but it won't do anything special well, for them. It seems like Zoolord is the only actual original Zoonoid. The others are all people who were turned into the creatures. Right, but they're creatures now, so the, the yeah. Giver won't do anything for them. Yeah. So why does the Zoolord want the Giver so bad? I don't rightly know. Me either! That's what I'm saying! Because yeah. we, we know what, we know that the Zoolord, his goal is, to, is, is world domination. And he thinks that the best way to achieve world domination is to run a corporation. Which is so capitalist. I love I it. I mean, he's like, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, that's aged better, I think, than they intended. Um, I know. I think it's so funny. It's like the aliens founded the evil Kronos Corporation. It's like, yeah, yep, that sounds about right. Yeah, like uh, Je Jeff Bezos. Jeff Be Bezalord. Yeah, Be like, yeah. <laughs> you get the, yeah, it works surprisingly well. It's got a fun, like, Anunnaki kind of like, there are lizard people in the White House kind of vibe, uh, which I think brings he us basically says that out almost you're, directly. What, what I'm assuming is your favorite line in the movie. Like you, we, we all died. Like yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah, during yeah, that yeah, bit, yeah. like I, I, I was, I was in tears. There's really no point in like running through the plot in this, in this no. plotless film. But like towards the end, like Vivian Wu's character is just like just, she's been captured and taken to the Chronos Corporation. She, she, she is just the ultimate princess in the tower in this movie. Like it, it's rough. Um, uh, she's in a literal tower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, she's she's shown the secret test tube room where Zoa Lord is turning people into hideous creatures and they're all his failed experiments and she could be one too and he's being like really uncomfortably rapey like it's yeah. th that's, that's that's another, another thing. problematic yeah, thing with this movie rapey. I was not not happy with that he, he like points at one of these like hideous abominations and he says imagine one of these in the White House <laughs> <laughs> I, and we're all just sitting here in like 2020 just being like man too real <laughs> too real 
I mean, it really goes to show that in 2020, we're seeing that the Zoonoids scheme uh, came to being. Yeah, uh, they are they are amongst us and and running everything. <laughs> We need, we need the Giver, damn yeah. it. The, the Giver, I think, predicted predicted the future better than uh, better than Asimov ever could have dreamed. Yeah, well, I mean, the Giver had a more optimistic uh, view of the future because he did defeat the Zoa Lord at the end. That's true. Uh, the Diablo Turtle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which we're talking about amazing creature designs. I loved I loved Zoa Lord's final form, like just a big like yeah like Diablo Turtle tortoise like, yeah, he, creature that went honestly like that was one of the worst f- effects i think i, uh, loved it. Oh. I mean it was fun but the final fight scene between guyver and zoa lord gave me uh flashbacks to rock and roll nightmare it's what it's what the <laughs> the the ending of rock and roll nightmare i think was picturing in its head like like with the the guys who yeah. were making rock and roll nightmare like this is what they were imagining their ending scene looked like and I just I love the idea that that's what Rock and Roll Night that is what Rock and Roll Nightmare was Want trying to, to achieve. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah, no, we get like big rubber arms like coming down, like trying to stomp on Guyver and him rolling out of the way, and like yeah. fun like puppetry and their mad scientist. He lab. jumps on top of, on on the back of its neck and uses one of his wrist blade or his elbow blades to cut off one of his horns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they actually built like the, a giant rig for this yeah. this turtle lord, which. Oh, Which yeah, I gotta, I mean, they, you gotta respect. It's put, not like a, a they put model. Some work in, they put some work into it. It doesn't yeah. look great, but like, yeah, but <laughs> the effort they, was made, and at it's least fun. They tried. Like, at yeah, least like they it's tried. a it's a big puppetry device, and I'll I'll still take that over like a bad CG monster like any day. I will say what was somewhat of a disappointment to me is that Zoolord's final form was not bigger, and that the Giver didn't also get giant, and then they fight in the city. I was really wanting that. You wanted that Ultraman like final form moment. Yeah, or yeah. The, you know the Power Rangers. I wanted I I wanted the reverse of the Power Rangers where the Giver just grows really large and then all of the monsters well, combine to form uh, Mega Zoonoid. Well, that's essentially what Ultraman was the original like Sentai series. Okay, it's but like, I his have, whole bit is he like he grew super large and and fought the yeah the monsters. Uh, okay, but I haven't seen Ultraman, so I'm going off of what I have seen Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But yeah, there was none of that, and there was never anybody jumping into a, a pose and then something exploding behind them. I really wanted that, and that never happened either. We did get a fun explosion there. We did. At the end, there was a, a pretty fun explosion, uh, and there were plenty of uh, unnecessary backhand springs, uh, which is yes. something else that I would expect from this movie. And probably the most impressive stunt in the film was just some backhand springs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the fighting is not good. <laughs> the final the final fight scene, though, with like all of the, the monsters in like the control room and Guyver trying to fight them while uh, Vivian Wu and Mark Hamill just kind of like crawl around <laughs> trying to not be eaten is pretty funny oh yeah because they, they do some uh like benny hill like level like yes. stuff with them like running across the shot playing like tinkly piano yeah. music while they're like trying to run away from like the little like porgy monster and then and then cutting back to like satan tortoise like as he's like stomping around the lab like the tone yeah. is weird yeah. Later in that scene, we get maybe my favorite effect in the movie, uh, when Mark Hamill transforms. It feels like it was ripped out of the the thing. It was very 
fleshy and nasty and wet. Yeah, and the probably only legitimately impressive thing in the entire movie was that. Yeah, I was, was floored by yeah, it. We see, I was we not see expecting the, it at that point. Oh, either. no, I mean, up, in, up until this point in the movie, like, we've seen, like, the cool, like, weird, like, Giver suit in the neck effects and the scientist getting, like, charbroiled, like, at the at the, the beginning of the film. Some other, like, slightly fun little, like, kind of kind of Cronenberg-y effects, but it was always, like, hedging on that. And then in this sequence, well, right beforehand, we see, like, Mark Hamill come out of the tube and him getting saved and you think everything's fine. And then they're trying to leave the lab and uh, he suddenly he, he grabs his chest and groans and falls to the floor and there's a go on without me you know sort of sort of moment and then we get this yeah outrageous shot of him like collapsed on the ground and like his neck starts stretching out and his skin starts bubbling and like weird like insect legs start sprouting from him he turns into a giant cricket yeah and it's really horrifying it's legitimately like cronenbergy body horror i not what i was expecting from the guyver uh right. like an hour and 20 minutes in and it had so little to do with the plot like it was just really unexpected well, yeah, that's the and thing i i thought that it would be like uh oh no now he has to fight his friend who has become monstrous yeah and no mark hamill just dies immediately no he just becomes like a big like horrible wretched and also pathetic cricket monster and then dies yeah and then zoa lord in in a, a moment of anime-esque monologuing is like ah he wasn't in the soup for long enough he's incomplete if he had been in the soup for longer then he would have been truly uh powerful <laughs> <laughs> oh and of course like we get the the wonderful shot of like Zord Lord gets like punched when he's still in his human form. Like he gets he gets like punched through a wall, and again we have a guy flying off 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 camera. Um, like into a dark hallway. Into a dark hallway, and then we get the wonderful shot of the two red eyes in the darkness, which are like just two LED lights. Like it's excellent. And then they pull them apart. So yeah, like you get the vibe that he's growing. growing. Yeah, wonderful. I loved that. It was very fun. Reminded of like the the old like uh like Halloween wishbone episode with like the spooky eyes at the top of the stairs. Like it's it was very. Very, very like Saturday Except morning. then it turned out to be Diablo Turtle. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Very fun. I think we covered all the fun practicals in depth. We yeah. we covered the not so good fighting. We covered the the not so good dialogue. Um, we covered the not so good racism. Yeah. The the weird fact that like Mark Hamill isn't the protagonist in this movie, even though like he is in as many scenes. I, I do want to mention on the subject of Mark Hamill, the number of times that he and other people are running around with guns in this movie, and don't but shoot. never actually using them. Yeah, they point guns at each other, but they never shoot. I think, yeah, we only have one shot in the movie where, like, he actually shoots yeah. at the monster. And he misses completely. Yeah. It's like they had, like, they, like, they spent all their budget on the, well, the costumes. They didn't have enough for blanks. I mean, there's, there's the part, too, where the before they transform, uh, while they're still in their human forms, the 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 zoonoids are chasing uh mark hamill and vivian Wu, and fucking michael berryman has a gun out and he's like just running after them pointing it but not actually <laughs> shooting also everybody in this movie runs like a toddler i don't no know one like, knows how to run correct like it's like they're all just taking like very small steps like the the chase scenes are ridiculous because it doesn't look like anybody's actually chasing anybody once again it's completely cartoonish that's the stuff i liked though do you guys want to rate yeah uh-huh 
Uh, should I start? Sure. It was my pick. It was your pick. Um, I'll say it again. What I loved about this film, what I thought was legitimately good, was great. The Giver suit, again, like... 10 out of 10 like creature design for me uh if if we'd seen it with good choreography and not the flappy like uh arm blades like i man i would i would love to see someone try and do this legitimately now i would want to see like a sam raimi like guyver movie or or something like i think sam raimi would be a great pick for like a a a guyver movie now really there is there is an r-rated power ranger film would be awesome like i could i could really see our generation like getting down with like that um yeah well like tease mentioned there is a sequel and the sequel is rated hard r you know it is it is much more gruesome and gory from what i've heard yeah which sounds great i I have to talk about guyver 2 at some point i would i would i would be very down with that so uh and when this movie is bad it is so bad it's good uh it is always laughable we were entertained the entire film and i don't think that was us reaching to to try and find entertainment from it no, i think it was, I, I was earnestly funny entertained yeah um uh like yeah like troll troll two levels you know room level dialogue it's just it's just non-stop like rapid fire weird uh i'm giving this movie a really strong four i had a, a ton of fun with it it did leave me wanting a little bit with the fight scenes i think if you're gonna do a sentai film like you've already got all of your monsters like in rubber suits we can't see our protagonist's face you can get like someone who can actually do like some some kung fu karate krav maga whatever like in those shots come on it's it's a sentai movie like i want to see some like good martial arts that's the one thing like sentai can actually bring to the table from like the 80s and 90s and it doesn't do that that's what's keeping it from being an absolute five because i loved everything else about this movie to bits even what was bad so yeah strong four for me well, I have one anecdote from the movie that I want to mention uh, before I get too far into my rating sure. is uh, the weakness for the Giver they find is uh, <laughs> yeah! his helmet has a big ball on his forehead. Oh, yeah. And if you hit it, uh, he, he gets a bad headache. Is, yeah. He, well, much like me, if you hit the balls, <laughs> you go down, go down hard. Yeah. yeah it's like it's the it's, ultimate it's, weapon. It's compared. The Giver suit is compared to like the modern atomic bomb. Like it's it's compared to like the ultimate weapon. And, and his weakness is in the middle of his forehead. It, it, is, a, it is literally a target on the center of his, his forehead. His weakness is the balls, much like me. The reason I brought that up is. This movie is, you know, in a lot of respects, it's bad. You know, the the acting is bad. Oh, it's a bad movie. The choreography is bad. Um, A lot of the choices made in the movie are bizarre and questionable at best. But I had an absolute blast watching it. And I think part of the reason it works is because how bizarre and mismatched it is. Um, like I said before, it feels like a movie that would show up on like Adult Swim uh, in terms of like weird tone and just bizarre choices. I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. I think it's a lot of fun. I would definitely recommend checking it out. Yeah, I can I can echo a lot of that. I really enjoyed watching this movie quite a bit. It had me laughing a lot. It's very fun. It like I said, it's 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 charming, it's adorable, it's earnest, and it gets points for all of that. Where I do have to seriously deduct points uh, uh, is uh, the the fight choreography is in, inexcusably bad and the and, racist gremlin. Well, yeah, it loses it loses a 
big point for Stryker just as a character, and it loses a little bit more for how uh, rapey David Gale is. These are the things that are legitimately unenjoyable about the film. Uh, but otherwise, I had a great time. This was really fun. Uh, good pick, Cleve. It's going to be a, a three and a half for me as well. Man. Which will give us a average of 3.7 out of 5 for The Giver. I, I was a little worried going into this one because, like, I did... Well, not worried, like, but uh, I was... I, I had the thought that, uh, you know, I, I'd been setting up this film for literally months with you guys. I've been, like, like foreshadowing, like, oh, you'll never guess what my pick is. And we didn't. Yeah, and no. uh, I was a little concerned because, again, like, the last time I even watched a trailer for this movie was, like, well over a decade ago. I just I just looked up stills when it came to memory, and just, like, that was all that had kind of, like, had me wanting to come back and actually watch this movie. There's, like, some, a trailer I watched as my high school self, so I was, I was pretty concerned that this movie was going to have a lot of boring moments in it. Um, but even, like, the bad dialogue was fun. Yeah, so, no, like, I was never I was, bored. I was never bored. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was it's only quite happy. A, it's only an hour and a half, so it doesn't stay, it doesn't overstay its welcome at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just has several pretty problematic things, but uh, other than that, it was fun. And uh, yeah, I think this was a, a worthy pick for something you kept us in suspense uh, with for so long because uh, I've never seen anything quite like this movie. <laughs> so it was uh, whack. It was extremely unique, and also I think. Uh, a nice bit of variety uh, after you know the last few episodes we've been keeping really up to date with like new movies and serious stuff so like it's it's nice to to step into something like so fucking childish and stupid (laughs) (laughs) yeah like something you can really just turn your brain off to and, and laugh at it was super fun for that well uh Speaking of choices, yes. Ben's pick is next week. Yes, so usually I'm so used to being the one picking the weird, funnier, you know, horror movies, more left field choices. I'm so used to you guys picking the the more, you know, serious, scary ones. Uh, so I have a bunch of funny, you know, weirder ones in the chamber for later this year. But I'm going to pull an audible here. And I'm going to pick something old, something classic, something foreign. I'm going to pick one of my favorites, uh, this old Japanese horror film, Onibaba. Yes! Hell yeah. I haven't seen Onibaba since college. One of the most atmospheric horror movies I think I've ever seen. Yeah, Onibaba is a good choice. I haven't seen that one in forever. I'm excited to talk about that again. I've never seen it. It sounds like something I would enjoy. It'll it'll be very up your alley, Cleve, for sure. I think you'll uh, really love Onibaba. Uh, Yeah, so that'll be next week. We're stepping even farther back into the past. Been a while since we've done a non-English language uh, film on the podcast, too, so I'm looking forward to that. Well, before we sign off, Cleveland, why don't you tell us who is our sponsor this week? Uh, this episode is brought to you by the the upcoming hit TV show, The MacGyver. He can craft bombs out of nothing and also fight aliens, because get it? Giver sounds like MacGyver. That's the bit. <laughs> You got it. This summer on Fox. (laughs) It doesn't get any deeper than that. It's the Giver, MacGyver. You got it. Good job. Good for you. I'm proud. I'm proud of you. Good job.
Do you think we'll ever get an actual MacGyver remake, or has MacGruber ruined the chances? No, of dog. That? I think honestly, I think in the next ten years or so, we're gonna see a serious MacGyver remake. Oh yeah, starring some like somebody like Chris Hemsworth. It's gonna be like totally dark in tone. Uh, there's gonna be oh, totally dark in tone. Totally dark in tone. Oh, uh, totally, to- totally, totally dark in tone. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Tonally, um, yeah, like he's gonna have to figure out how to uh, stop a terrorist nuclear threat using only the contents of like a four-year-old's book bag, duct (laughs) tape, and a tube sock. Yeah, right. Uh, Um, Well, I'm here for it. It's coming, guaranteed. All right, well, that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. If you like the show, go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and a nice review. That'll help uh, get us into more people's ears, which is where we like to live, inside people's ears. And we would like to thank you for letting us live in your ears. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod or on uh, letterbox.com slash PodPeoplePod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. Uh, follow me on Twitter at DeepStateOzzy if you like. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studios. We continue to work on our lovely, lovely, super dark horror indie RTS, our PG. It stares back. Sentai. It's spooky. It, it doesn't have Mark Hamill in it, but it does have fun. The Noble Guide kind of looks like a Power Ranger. He does. It's intentional. So if you like Power Rangers, <laughs> then check out It Stares Back. Now available on Steam in early access for six American dollars at oh, the yeah. time of this recording. recording. Uh, always got to mention that. <laughs> um, maybe it's on sale, or maybe it. Uh, we've put out more content than we've up the price. It's more expensive now. Yeah. Uh, get it, get it while you. But, can. but still worth it if we up the price. It's, it's for a reason. Get it while it's cheap. Yeah, or don't get it while it's expensive. We'll uh, we'll we'll see more income. That's fine too. You know, follow your dreams. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's it. Uh, I'm gonna go protect my balls so I don't <laughs> so I don't be get defeated by the Zoa Lord. I'm go stick an alien device on my forehead. 